Welcome to Freedom Warrior. It is the day after the State of the Union address. And what an address it was. I mean, that was great. His speechwriters are on on their A-game right now. Uh, gotta say that. Uh, tip the cap to those guys and gals. Uh, whatever they were, uh, you know, drinking. I don't know if it was Red Bulls or Margaritas. Whatever it was, they really got in the zone and just put a speech together that made Trump look great and he actually delivered it real great too so uh, I will get into the State of the Union stuff and uh, Don Lemon he is a a big time buffoon over there on CNN got something uh, I'd like to call him out on and then uh, again the Virginia governor's race just gets worse and worse by the day by the minute really and then uh, one last A story about Panera Bread. Kind of a random one. I will tie that into socialism. Uh, So, starting out, I'm not going to dive into State of the Union first. Let me get this Don Don Lemon story out of the way. And let me start out by saying he had on Gladys Knight. So she, this is going back to the Super Bowl. She sang the national anthem, which obviously is the big deal uh during the super bowl especially as an african-american woman not just a woman a legend i think what do they call her like the empress of soul or she's a legend so uh you know she's in her 70s and she wanted to do it she wanted to do the national anthem uh it meant something to her and and she did it well lemon had her on the show to ask her if she was worried about her career after the super bowl performance and when he pressed her on why she accepted the job, Gladys responded by saying, "All quote, all I can deal with right now is what my heart says, okay? I believe in fairness. I believe in truth. I believe in all those things. And as far as this is concerned, I grew up, in, I grew up with the national anthem. We used to sing it in school before school started. We used to say prayers in school before school started, unquote. So... Listen to Gladys here. I mean, she's voicing some pretty conservative thoughts. She grew up with the national anthem. She's not going to back down just because the winds of time changed. She even mentions prayer. I mean, this is like kryptonite to Don Lemon and probably a lot of the rest of the folks over there on CNN. So here's Lemon's response, and he's actually quite wicked here. I want you to read, read between the lines on this. He says, quote, I don't know if you remember the controversy during the inauguration when Chris, uh, Chrisette Michelle sang at the inauguration and just read an article in the New York Times how she basically lost her career for doing so, uh, Lemon stated. So he also said, you have a much longer history and resume, right? A legend in this business. Is that a concern for you at all, given this controversy surrounding this? So... Here are my thoughts on this. So Lemon is warning this woman. That's that's his way of warning here. I assure you. Uh, he is saying that, you know, well, he's basically like a snake that's coiled up, you know, rattling his tail, ready to strike. You know, he's basically saying, well, you know, it'd be a shame if I signaled to the social justice mob through my platform here on CNN to ruin your illustrious career. Um, you know, other singers, they've... You know, they haven't fallen in line with the agenda, and uh, yeah, their careers got ruined. 
boy, it'd be a shame if that happened to you. So you sure you don't want to, you know, apologize and conform to uh, my particular uh, position on this issue? You know, I mean, he even goes on. I mean, he ties this other person's career who was ruined by the social justice mob directly to her. And then he puts her name next to it. I mean, her face and her image is right there on his platform. And he is tying those two things. That is a deliberate thing. He knows what he's doing. So, you know, many just see him asking the questions. But this is a real wicked act. And it's a shame most people don't see it for what it is. This guy is attempting or was attempting to ruin her career. He's trying to just mold and shape the narrative. And... You know, really, you know, you always hear them talking about dog whistles. That's a dog whistle if I've ever seen one or heard one. He is dog whistling. It'd be a shame if, you know, your career ended. Why, what else is, what else can you interpret that as? So, uh, Don Lemon, I'm calling you out. Not that it matters. You won't hear me. But uh, just saying, I hope other people get onto this and, and recognize what's happening with the media and the narratives. It's not just that they have a little bias it's that they're actively you know flexing their muscles and trying to ruin careers and trying to get people to conform with their view uh so now uh state of the union just dive into this a little bit i won't go into too much detail um there's you know 80 minutes of speech i believe available if you want to you know dig in and really uh, take a bite out of it it's quite a bit to, to gnaw on, um, but it was a fantastic speech, and I really recommend listening to it. It was not your traditional Trump-style uh, speech. Um, I guess it was the same style, but he delivered it very well, um, got the crowd involved, got Democrats involved. I mean, he even got them out of the seats. He, he set them up. He teed them up to look um, like they were in favor of him. I mean, he, he was you know, celebrating all the number of women in Congress, the unemployment rates of, of, of Hispanics and blacks. And, um, you know, he just made it very difficult for them to sit on their hands. Uh, you know, so they get, they all were clapping and giving standing O's the whole night long. And, uh, the one person who didn't, I have to say is, uh, you know, old AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, uh, she made a fool of herself. Um, you know, Trump highlighted the, the brave efforts of ICE agents to combat criminal child traf- uh, sex trafficking, and then, of course, assaults and murders and all the other nice, I mean, horrible things. Um, going to say nice is in, in a sarcastic way. But um, anyways, she refused to get up until she looked around and then everybody was standing and clapping even her own radical uh democrats and she finally got up but just didn't clap but you know yeah let like let's not let's sit out let's sit down for child sex trafficking because that's such a great thing right yeah we want child sex trafficking um you know when everybody else stood up she got up finally but it was only because she recognized her surroundings and she had no choice um what a priceless moment that was i mean that's just that's just gold right there uh i find it so amusing to watch the democrats have to stand up and applaud for trump because they can't do it almost any other time of the day but they're you know the cameras are on them it's such a uh, a production 
you know they know they can't be the one that's caught on camera who's sitting down to you know child sex trafficking i mean like what who is in favor of child sex trafficking so i mean the way the speech was constructed it set trump up for success and that's where i'm saying that speechwriters did such a great job but i mean the democrats have been fighting tooth and nail to keep borders completely open they completely despise uh the border patrol and ice especially alexandria uh uh, Cortez but you know she even had to get up for that a little bit I think she got up for it but either way he put them in a pickle and it was just a, a, a joy to watch um, but you know the, the Democrats are in a frenzy their party has you know pretty much moved off of the uh, land of America's foundation I mean they're just in some other world at this point and uh, Trump just delivered a nice blow to them I, I don't know that it's going to make a difference in the long term, but in like the in the short term, it did. Um, it was another uh, another great moment. It was his never socialist moment. He, he basically declared to the American people that, you know, we will never be a socialist country. And Bernie, the look on Bernie's face was just great. Um, you know, he said America was founded on liberty and independence, and not government coercion, domination, and control. He said, we are born free and we will stay free. And I mean, that is just a, I mean, that gets you wanting to chant USA. I mean, he had, I think he actually had Democrats chanting USA at one point. It, like he, I mean, cause I think he tied it into women. Uh, so he just, across the board, it was just such a great performance, a great, um, you know, delivery and everything. Uh, he, he went on to say tonight, we renew our resolve that America will never be a socialist country. And then they they pan the camera, at least over on Fox, they pan the camera to Bernie and Alexandria. And uh, the looks on their faces were just like uh, someone had just killed their dog. Um, but yeah, I mean, America needs to back away from this cliff of socialism. And, and it takes moments like these, especially with huge audiences. I haven't seen the, the ratings come in, but I think there were pretty high ratings. Uh, we need those moments to move the ball. You know, we're under attack. I mean, it, socialism is is coming. It's 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 coming. Whether we defend it or fend it off, uh, that's another story. But uh, if it even helps move the ball a little, I'm happy with it. It sure be, and this sure beats the heck out of uh, watching one of those Obama State of the Unions where he's apologizing for America all the time. So continuing with the State of the Union uh, subject, he did go on to talk about abortion even, which was the one thing I said yesterday I really wanted him to hit on, uh, to really, you know, reframe that, the whole Virginia governor thing, especially in the context of the New York abortion law that went into effect and and the, the pivoting of the Virginia governor's uh, scandal from the abortion topic to the KKK and blackface topic. So we aren't over this liberals. We're not just going to let, you know, fourth trimester abortions take place just because you decide to, you know, hide the football and, and pivot. No, we're going to talk about this. We're going to address this. This is going to be debated. We weren't happy with abortions to begin with, let alone you know, you, you deciding that 
it's okay suddenly to have abortions a day before a birthday, a day before a kid is supposed to be delivered, or even after, according to uh, the governor of Virginia. So that's we're not dropping that. That's not going to happen. Not backing down. And I'm glad to hear Trump, he took it a little longer to get to it, and he didn't spend as much time on it as I would have preferred. But, you know, I am happy that he at least brought it up. It needs to be addressed. And he did it in front of the American people, you know, tens of millions of Americans. And uh, that is really great to, to see. And on top of that, looking at the event, at the address, the polling, the immediate polling afterwards is very favorable for Trump. I'm shocked it's this high. I, I mean, I'm a big, I'm not a big Trump fan. I'm, I'm on the Trump train for sure. I'm on the Liberty train and he's the one, you know, in charge of it right now. So, but I'm just saying, even this surprised me, 76% of the people who watched approved of the address according to a CBS News report of a YouGov poll. And then, of course, uh, that that would leave uh, 24%. They uh, they said to kill all Republicans <laughs> because that's uh, those are the, the radicals. The radical, radical types that basically don't care what he says. He's Hitler. So what are you going to do? Um, but let's be fair. 43% of the viewers were Republicans, while only uh, 24 were Democrats. But there were 30% who were independents. So the 24% of Democrats matches perfectly with the number of respondents who disapproved. But among independents, 82% approved, which is saying a lot. I mean, you're talking about people who aren't super pro-Trump, but they're definitely not like socialist, you know, AOC types or Bernie types they're malleable and 82% of them approved of his speech. So that's a huge takeaway. Um, basically only Trump haters, uh, felt negatively about the speech and it wasn't even that many of them. And, uh, I I can't cover the state of the union without covering the media and tech bias. Uh, it is a media event after, after all, it's a big time media event. So a special shout out to Chuck Todd over at NBC for slamming Trump's State of the Union address before he even delivered it. He called it absurd. Top-notch reporting, NBC, grade A. A-plus journalism right there. Before the event, you're calling it absurd. So, uh, okay. I mean, at least save it for after the fact. You can't just wait. You can't just wait another hour and just say the same thing in an hour. you got to just jump the gun false start on the offense man move back five yards all right uh so it's it's just amazing how quickly these journalists rush to convince the american people how horrible the speech was even though it got a 76 percent approval rating so it's like they're trying to change it they're like trying to convince you they're trying they are trying to tell you how bad it was not that it was bad that they're just trying to tell you that it was bad and I mean, of course, they think it's bad. They're, they're, you know, they're liberals. What do they, what do you expect from them? Of course, they're going to think the Trump speech is bad. But that doesn't mean you need to listen to them. And I'm talking to independents too. I'm talking to people who aren't even necessarily 100% on the Trump train. That's okay. But at least use your own eyes. 
don't trust these freaking lying snake snake media to tell you how it was. If you don't think they had, don't have a bias at this point, I don't know what to tell you. I mean, it, it's so clear. It's it's as clear as a raindrop hitting your face that it's raining outside. It's right there. It's the it, it, the results are there. What are you gonna believe? Your lying eyes. I mean, that's okay. So enough on that. But I, there's another thing, not just uh, media bias, but the tech bias. So immediately following the State of the Union address if you googled state of the union 2019 the very first article the very first link was a cnn fact-checking piece that had zero views not one not two not three certainly not in the millions it was a cnn fact-checking piece on the state of the union a rebuttal if you will that had zero views yet so there you go google's algorithms just once again showing their partisan colors which at this point i expect it i expect that every time a hundred percent from google from cnn i mean talk about collusion all right so back to virginia i can't this story will not go away because well the governor won't resign i guess (laughs) and even if he did it wouldn't go away because the number two has huge issues as well so just to do a little recap here, um, well, actually, let me explain the new uh, breaking news, if you will, from today. And there's been a few breaking stories relating to this. The number three in line to the Virginia governor uh, seat is a guy named Attorney General Mark Herring. And he admitted now, today, to, of course, you guessed it, wearing blackface during a college party in the 1980s. I, he was, he says he was being, he was uh, portraying himself as, um, or portraying a rapper or something. I don't know uh, what he was doing, but I mean, what the hell is going on in Virginia? So first, we have the Northam scandals, which is to say the abortion scandals, which was a huge scandal this week, and then the other scandal that covered up the abortion scandal, which is the one that got all of the coverage in the media, which is the uh, KKK and uh, blackface uh, photo. And then he also said he, Michael Jackson, moonwalked while wearing blackface. So there's all of that Northam scandal, which is the actual governor. And then you have the number two, who is the lieutenant governor, uh, Fairchase, or Fairfax. I forget that. Yeah, something Fairfax. Um, anyways, he reports have indicated that he may have been, uh, it may have been Northam's people who pushed the stories to the press about the Lieutenant governor, about his scandal, which is of the me too variety that he, you know, uh, assaulted or raped a woman. So he's firing shots basically at the governor's, uh, you know, mansion. And then the governor is still you know, just saying he's not going to back down. Well, there's a big developments with the lieutenant governor, but let me get more back to this uh, number three in line because this is pretty interesting too. So this AG, uh, Mark Herring, he admits to wearing blackface in college, but then what does that leave now, right? So we've got number one, he the governor has a scandal. The number two has a, another huge scandal and it gets way juicier uh, in about two minutes, you'll hear more in this. 
And then the number three has probably the the most mild of the of the three is the number three guy, this AG who has a scandal. He probably someone dug into him and he's either getting ahead of it or someone called him out, but he admits to wearing blackface. I don't know if there's any photographic evidence. If not, probably gonna be hard to, you know, get him to step aside in favor of the number four. But if it does go to that, this is where it gets pretty interesting. So Who's the next in line? It would be, I'm, 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 first of all, my initial response was, tell, please tell me it's not that uh, House of Delegates woman who proposed the diabolical third and fourth trimester uh, abortion bill. And uh, it wasn't. So thankfully, thankfully, Virginia at least has that down right. But I dug a little and I found out that the fourth in line to the speaker is the Speaker of the House of Delegates. His name is uh, Kirk Cox. So other than being the first Virginia politician in line uh, to the governor's seat without a major political scandal, there's another important piece of information about this guy, Kirk Cox, rep- or, uh, Delegate Kirk Cox. He's a Republican. <laughs> he's the first one in line who is a Republican. So he's the only one that doesn't have a scandal at this point. So if the governor does have to step down and the number two has a, a rape scandal and the number three is the the same scandal as the number one, which is a blackface scandal, the number four is a Republican. So the, the governor of Virginia may flip red because the scandals are so bad because they, uh, you know, the, they're, they're sexually assaulting women or wearing blackface. Virginia Democrats apparently can't just stop with the blackface, stop with the raping. Um, but they have such a problem with it that it may flip the seat red. Um, so how hilarious would that be? But there's even more to this. So this is actually a pretty wild backstory to that, how this even occurred, how, uh, Cox became speaker of the house of delegates. So that's, that's, the, the seat that becomes the fourth in line, the speaker in the House of Delegates. So in the 2017 state elections here in Virginia, the House of Representatives was a like crazy close race. And when I say crazy close race, I mean the margin was a vote, one vote, a single vote. Control came down to one election and that election came down to a single vote. So the in this election, the incumbent, was uh, Delegate David Yancey, who's a uh, Republican. On the night of the election, he lost by one vote, or so we thought. So a panel of judges determined that a vote that had been discarded should be given to Yancey, the Republican. So this this brought it back to a tie. So what do they do in a tiebreaker? Well, they draw names from a ceramic bowl, I kid you not. Like, draw names from a hat. No kidding, just... Put your name in a hat, and the person who comes out is uh, going to win this election. And that's exactly what happened. So both names were placed in the bowl, and Yancey's name was uh, picked. So the Republicans retained control of the chamber. And because of this, Republicans are fourth in line to the governorship, along with the fact that all of the Democrats above uh, this particular uh, delegate is uh, are dealing with scandals. So... And in uh, further breaking news, this is the more juicy part about the number two, Lieutenant Governor Fairfax. He apparently used profane language towards the accuser, 
Her name is uh, Dr. Vanessa Tyson on Monday, and this occurred on Monday night. So this clown show just keeps getting worse and worse. And when I say he used vulgar language, I'm not going to say it because I'm trying to keep this show uh, PG. But I will say this. He said, F that B. And you can figure out what the F stands for and what the B stands for. But he's talking about a woman. Um, and then only later, to in, you know, in public, to call for, uh, you know, respect. So he's saying F that B, and then in the public setting, saying, oh, we need to be respectful. So uh, this controversy just keeps getting more graphic by the minute, because the accuser released a statement as well, and this is, no kidding, her exact statement. He forced, he then forced his penis into my mouth. So there, there goes the PG. I'm sorry, we just got it. Uh, it's official. This is now a PG-13 episode. My apologies for the graphic nature of a number two in line for the governorship of Virginia, um, apparently raping women. And this is in 2004, I want to say, or two, 2003 or four. So it's not, you know, it's not exactly the Kavanaugh thing where it's some, you know, random event from you know, 35, 40 years ago, you know, we're talking about in the past 15 years, and this woman is uh, lawyered up, and we'll see how this goes, uh, but if Democrats are consistent on this, they will believe all women, um, so we'll see how they uh, feel about doing just that, but boy, uh, Virginia is just filled with moral and uh, ethical Democrats, aren't they? So uh, next up, Panera Bread. You're probably wondering, how on earth are you going to connect Panera Bread to socialism? Uh, Well, hear me out. So the restaurant, Panera Cares, I think it's Panera Cares, will uh, officially close close their shops. I think there's five of them uh, in different cities. Chicago, probably Portland. um, Can't remember all the other. Doesn't matter. Point is, it's closing. Closing their doors due to the business model's unsustainability. Well, what's this business model? Oh, it's a pay-what-you-want restaurant. So you just go in there and you get a sandwich or whatever, and then if you feel like paying, you know, a dollar, then you just pay a dollar. And if you feel like paying uh, $30, then you can pay $30. That, you know, you could pay your fair share because, you know, you can afford it and others can't. Well, Panera tried to create a socialist, a socialist, esque system where meals were offered in an attempt to get the wealthy to have or have twos to pay for their meals while low income patrons were to pay as much as they could afford but it turns out that there were way too many freeloaders to be accommodated by the handful of people who were willing to pay full price or more some on the left argue that this is just a failure of charity and not socialism but they're wrong this model is far more in line with socialism it demonstrates the fundamental problem with socialism people care more about themselves than they do others that there are too many free uh freeloaders that they can't possibly satisfy all the people in society with one broad policy which is why federally implemented economic top-down approaches are a disaster even in our current system in our you know nanny welfare state we disincentivize success in many ways But you can only handicap exceptional people. You can't force a person to become exceptional. 
going back to restaurants. You can't turn a five-star restaurant in, or you can turn a five-star uh, five-star restaurant into a dump if you remove the best chefs. You know, you re- remove the number, an, a certain number of waiters by eliminating the bartender. You know, by not cleaning up, having cleanup staff to, or bussers. Um, you know, but you can't magically turn a one-star restaurant into a five-star. It's it's far easier, I'll say at least, to tear things down than to build them up. So in the socialist sense, this you know this applies to people as well. You know you could you could think of the most brilliant people, Einstein, right? You can't just turn a dummy into an Einstein, but you can turn the success of Einstein, the labor, the goods that he provides, or the money he earns. You can cut that away and chop Einstein down to size. You can chop the halves and the, the, the exceptional people in society, you can chop them down. You can't, if, that's why socialism only brings uh, equality of misery, because you can't raise people above that, that you know, bottom of the, uh, the social spectrum. I mean, you can try and lift them up a little, but there's a certain, uh, you know, expectation that, Look, people are only going to rise to a certain degree. I mean, some people just aren't going to choose to have the level of level of ambition. They aren't going to have the same desires, even if they have all of the prerequisites. And this is what Thomas Sowell once uh, said in uh, his most recent book. Uh, I think it's disparities and the discrimination and disparities. He says that you know prerequisites mean a lot. You can have all of the prerequisites to do or all but one of the prerequisites to do something and be exceptional at it let's say it's something such as uh being a professional athlete you know you can have the physical gift the dna the genes the dads my dad's michael jordan for example or lebron james you can have all of that and you could have you know the passion you could have the the desire but if that desire is is uh exceeded by a desire to do something else so let's say you know you're the you have all of these attributes and all of the 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 dominoes if you will are lined up that all you got to do is basically knock them over and you're going to fall into success all it takes is one prerequisite to be missing which is um you know maybe you don't have the desire or maybe you have a desire to do something else more such as uh you know be at work as a scientist well, you're not going to be in the NBA anymore because your one prerequisite was not there. Well, that's the case with socialism, that it doesn't account for that. And it, it tears down exceptional people routinely. There's You don't have that incentive anymore. Um, and, you know, the, really the pricing system is the only way to do this. So resources are scarce. And the bread doesn't just magically appear in that Panera restaurant. Someone has to spend their time and resources to bring that bread to that kitchen. And leftists fundamentally misunderstand this with economics. And they don't even have an elementary level of of understanding of these concepts. So that's really the disheartening thing. But, you know, here it is another example of, you know, a socialist mindset failing. You know, it, it, it may have taken a while to fail because it was probably propped up by, uh, you know, leftists who were just idealistic and had some money. So they just kept throwing money at it and took a loss. You know, they, they probably weren't making a profit. I think it said in the story I read 
that they were only uh, covering 50 to 60 percent of their costs with this with this uh, you know method of uh, giving away food essentially it was basically just a, a, a food sh- and homeless shelter at, at a certain point and I think college kids also started just ransacking the place and you know Mother Hubbard didn't have any uh, food in her cupboard if you if you know what I'm saying so uh, you know way to go uh, leftists just uh, wonderful work I wish you could be more aware just of economics I think it would be helpful you know rather than having these idealistic ideas that aren't even, you know, feasible. You know, we're talking about taxing the rich and having, you know, trillions and tens of trillions of dollars of all these different things like Medicare for all and and free college and all this. But, you know, the, the wealthy in America in a given year, if you tax them at some crazy, you could tax them at like 100%, you're only gonna be in the billions. You aren't even gonna get up to a trillion. So, you're just there's the money isn't there the math isn't there so i it, the more we can expose this for the stupidity that it is um you know the better <laughs> so anyways that's it for today's episode i appreciate you uh, you tuning in this is the freedom warrior podcast and my name is Derek. please share and subscribe if you have the time would be much appreciated take care i will see you again soon